So we're back with another episode of Contacts with Advanced Design, and we have the pleasure of interviewing um, Mr. Howard Nook, who is CEO, co-founder of Palm, yes. and uh, staple here in San Francisco of the design industry. Thank you for joining us, Howard. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And um, there is just so much that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about. Um, I don't even know where to start, but I think where we can start is before the Howard that is sitting in front of me. Where did you get started? Let's let's go all the way, all back, the way back, all the way back to when you started school back and how time. you how you kind of came to discover design. Mm. Yeah, I can. That's a really really big way back machine. <laughs> um, I've been I've been practicing design for a fairly long time now. It's been over twenty years that I've been a designer, um, and I, my career has definitely evolved over the years. Um, if you go back to the very very beginning, I could probably give you a little history of you know where my family came from and uh, where I came from and kind of how I came to be here in the Bay Area. Um, my mother um, and my father are both immigrants. Um, and they immigrated to North America, uh, many years ago. My mother is Chinese. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And she's, was born outside of Beijing, um, moved to Taiwan when she was very young. Um, and my father is Austrian. Okay. So, um, both of them left their countries and, uh, they moved to Canada. Um, and so, you know, coming from kind of, uh, an immigrant family um, and then the mentality of that, the kind of new world, um, it, it kind of all the way back, it, it really forms who you are um, and it forms your work ethic and it forms your views um, and it makes you look at, um, I think, just the world differently. Um, and it m helps you kind of, you know, look at even and assess where we are kind of in this world where that we are in America differently. Um, so my mother having come from from Taiwan, you know, she she left Beijing, went to Taiwan and she became she was a self-made woman. You know, she was a, a radio announcer, she became an actress, eventually became a lawyer there and so she's very determined, strong, you know, oh, wow. typical tiger mom as mm -hmm. as you were. And um and my father is much more stoic. He's um he's a computer programmer slash engineer, um, but has this like really unique creative side mm -hmm. to him. Um and my mother as well on more of the acting side and uh, the the ability to kind of communicate and um express herself. So, you know, I think you know them two together coming together and, you know, teaching me, um, and nurturing me, I think has really formed a lot of who I am. Um, so they, they immigrated to Canada and, uh, East coast Canada. I was born in Toronto. Um, and you know, it was, uh, it was in the seventies. So I'm going to date myself properly. This, this like gray beard is real. <laughs> It's not, it's not dyed in there. <laughs> Enough people have asked me, oh, that, that gray look is so in style. You dye your beard. No, this is like straight up. This is organic. This is organic. This is natural. <laughs> exactly. I grew this myself. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they instill a lot in me with regards to, um, work ethic and, um, creativity. And I, I think in that early, early age, uh, in Toronto, um, and Ottawa moving, moving there a little bit later in life. Um, 
you know, I've learned, I learned creativity from them. I learned, um, perseverance and I learned, um, to work very hard, you know, having an Asian mom, if anyone is listening that is Asian or from any Asian heritage, you know, that if you have a tiger mom, that literally, uh, you're either going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be an engineer, period. Like that's what you're going to be. And if you're not one of those, you're probably going to be a failure in their eyes. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you know, so I, me as a young child, I'm, I'm working my hardest and, you know, I, I did well in school, but, um, I'm not that type of analytical person or very good at memorizing laws, et cetera. So I just knew I wasn't going to be one of those three. Um, I, I had obviously this very much creative side to me and, um, this desire to express and create. And, uh, and so, you know, I worked with, uh, I worked with, I, I bartered with her. Um, I was, I was learning piano <laughs> every, every, you know, young, young boy, especially with Asian heritage learns piano and hated it. And, uh, and so I really learned quickly at a young age. My father just so happens was really great at sketching. And so, I learned to sketch from him. He would, I just remember clearly there's, there's this VW bug that he drew once that it was just the, the proportions, everything was just perfection. The way he drew it from, from memory was perfect. And it shocked me that he was able to do that. And so I wanted to learn to draw. And so he, uh, he began to teach me on the side. He would pay me five cents, 10 cents, a dime, a nickel for like really poor drawings, a quarter for really good drawings. And he would literally pay, that was my first paying job, was he would pay me to to draw him pictures. So like like he was incentivizing you. Incentivizing me, that's right. Um, Teaching me at a very, very young age, like, you know, five, six years old, that, you know, I need to learn to express myself. I need to, um, you know, develop my talents. And I was just so into it. So, in the end, uh, I bartered with my mother and I said, uh, negotiated and said, okay, if I can quit piano, I promise to you that I will take drawing seriously mm-hmm. and I will make a living out of it and I'm going to do something great with it. Um, so she said, okay, you'll be an architect. <laughs> <laughs> there's no compromise <laughs> no no there isn't she said um there's absolutely no way you're just going to be an artist yeah um i wanted to be a cartoonist at the time yeah i uh i was able to um you know <laughs> draw faces draw the human figure really really well at a young age it was just a passion of mine proportions again looking at you know details and and, and expressing them and so um, I ended up doing caricatures at like local festivals, you know, the guys you pay like 10 bucks for a caricature. Right. Mm-hmm. I was that kid, but I was, wow. I was 11 years old and I was doing that for a number of years and, um, and I started making money at it. So I had to prove to my mother that I could actually like make a business mm-hmm. out of my talent. Um, otherwise she'd force me to go back into piano. So, um, so then I ended up um, doing cartooning classes and the guy who was teaching it, he was actually retiring from doing political cartoons for the local newspaper. Mm. So he taught me his techniques around sketching and shadowing and texture and telling a story through your sketch. Um, not just sketching something because it's cute or because it's pretty, but actually telling a story um, and a poignant story uh, around, around a, whatever topic it might be. Being a political cartoonist, you have to be really up to date. So um, I took over his job at age 13. I became a political cartoonist for the local newspaper. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Craziness. I was far too young to do that. But again, my father nurtured me. 
and he he helped me read the news and he helped me kind of understand what's going on in the world and that's what gave me a unique perspective on what was happening in my local communities in the greater you know canada um and so uh yeah, I, I did that for a number of years. I was a political cartoonist for the newspaper while also delivering the newspaper. <laughs> you wore a lot of hats. I was literally, I delivered the newspaper. I, I, I got that job of paying me $20 a week while also did, like actually drawing the cartoons that were in that newspaper. Um, and each cartoon paid me $20 per cartoon. So, you know, I was pulling in $40 a week. It was really hustling. Yeah. yeah, I was hustling, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of like beginning and, and I just always knew I wanted to sketch and I, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to eventually become a, a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. I just loved again, drawing the human figure and again, with proportions just has always been a draw for me. Um, and, uh, and then my mother absolutely kiboshed all of it and said, no, you will be an art, an architect. And I said, okay, mom. So, um, I got into drafting classes and I just developed this huge passion for, mm-hmm architecture, um, interior design. And I've always had obviously like a, a passion for products because I was a avid transformer user and I would make my own transformers out of Lego. Wow. Like literally tr- the one, like I, they could transform. Yeah. Like she is. <laughs> and what I love, like Michael DeTulo, the guy that connected us together, he's a mutual friend and, you know, it just rem- makes me, reminds me of him because, you know, he's designing transformers right now, right. which is, yeah been a lifelong dream of mine yeah. i truly made my own transformers yeah. out of lego as like a 12 year old kid um and now he's designing them so i'm <laughs> officially jealous if michael does listen to this uh, he should know that i love him like a brother but i'm officially jealous um so you know creating products and um and you know industrial design um wasn't really a thing uh but architecture was mm-hmm. and so i i was like i'm going to design dream homes probably by you know Ninth grade, 10th grade, I started to design my own dream homes. I would create floor plans. I would design homes for my parents and say, this is where we're going to live in the future. And I'm going to make something of myself and we're going to live in this house that I designed for us. Of course, none of that ever happened. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it was great because, you know, I had a dream and I've always dreamed about creating and, you know, using my ability to draw and um, to, to create something bigger than me yeah. and that other people could enjoy. Um, so I guess fast forward, I can, you know, I, I got into, um, architecture school. Um, I did a internship in an architecture firm okay. in my last year of high school and, uh, it was miserable. It was mm. absolutely miserable. Uh, I went into this firm and it was a local firm in Ottawa, Canada now. And, um, I, I got this mentor and he was the most beaten down man. Like you would not even imagine he was just sitting there drawing elevation after elevation. And my job was to do the ammonia blueprints in the back room. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting completely high off of it. Just making <laughs> print after print. Jeez. My job was to like manage the, the materials library. Um, and then sit there and like, when it came down to like the whole, like actual design of it, he said, no, you'll get to do that maybe 15 to 20 years from now. Wow. Um, and with architecture, you have to be an apprentice. Yeah. There's the schooling is very long. The apprenticeship is long. You know, it's, it's a, it's a very long and arduous yeah. process. So, um, I, though I had gotten into architecture school, I had said, Nope, I'm going to find something else. Yeah. And that's when, uh, I found industrial design and, uh, made a last minute switch, very last minute switch. And, uh, 
moved into the industrial design program and uh, never looked back. Wow. What uh, what school was this at? Um, it's called Carleton University. Oh, yeah. Do you know Carleton? Oh, yeah. No, a lot of students, a lot oh, of professors man. there. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. A lot of them wow. are still there. Many of the yeah. ones that taught me, um, they're brilliant, brilliant people. And it's, yeah. again, what kind of formed my my early ways of thinking about design and, and my process that still lives on today yeah. is from Carleton. So you were at Carleton and um, while you were there, did you have any internships? Did you take any internships? And yeah. I did actually. That's a really great question, especially um, for any students that are listening. Um, I did have an internship. Um, it was uh, a co-op program. Mm. So it was longer than just a three month thing where you go in and right. you end up being a sketch hand or you learn a few things and then you're out. It was a two year thing, okay, a full year and then another half year. And then when I finished my final year, I worked part time there. So it was a two year engagement and it was at a local firm called the design workshop at the time. It's now called DW product mm -hmm. and it's a local um, industrial design and product shop in, in Ottawa. And, uh, and I was so blessed to get that job. It, it's mm -hmm. the foremost industrial design firm in. Ottawa. Mm -hmm. um, and it was my dream at that time in school to get that job. And I was so lucky to have gotten it. I had to interview for it. And it was like my first interview process other than getting into industrial design school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was so blessed because, you know, I shipped in that two years as a co-op, you know, in, intern and then becoming a junior designer, I shipped six products out of there. Wow out of my first job yeah. and I hadn't even graduated yet. So, and I had, I had shipped product out of Canada. Yeah. Two or three of them were at um, a company that I heard was a big deal back in like the late nineties. And that was called Brookstone. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone knows Brookstone. Yeah, Brookstone. I didn't at the time, like, what is this Brookstone? Mm -hmm. And so I designed a fan that ended up selling at design within reach wow. back in 2000, 2000 or sorry, 1990. Seven ninety-eight. Okay. Um, so a desk fan that sold within Design Within Reach. Um, some digital like, thermometers and other gadgets that mm -hmm. sold at Brookstone. Um, some stuff for um, Black and Decker. So it was really like a poignant time for me. So I was really, really like my ego was going crazy. I was like just so proud of myself. I was like over the moon. Um, and you know, as I was doing this, I uh, I learned a lot. Um, something that I can probably share, which was though I was shipping product and I was doing some like at the time respected, like I would say like, um, <laughs> you know, at the time for me, big things. Um, I was also very humbled uh, in the experience because the, the founders were, you know, they were, you know, men that had come out of the same school as me. They started this firm, they built it up and I looked up to them and, uh, you know, with me with this big ego, I am like, I'm creating all these great products and I'm learning CAD. I, I was learning AutoCAD and Vellum. And, oh my um, and then one day he, you know, one of the co-founders drives up and there's this like lawnmower in the back of, of his, of his trailer. And I'm like, Oh, look at that. We're going to finally like, you know, mow the lawn in front of this place. It's like crazy long reeds mm -hmm. of grass and stuff. And this place is, it needs a lot uh, a good mowing. And he look, comes over to me. He's like, Hey, Howard. I'm like, Hey, good morning. He's like, see that? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's yours for today. Oh my God. He made me mow that lawn. And I mowed, like, it was the craziest, yeah. like, long reeds like you'd ever see. Like, I was out there sweating, mowing the lawn. And here I had thought I was, like, this hot shit yeah. young designer. So that was his way of 
knocking you down. Yeah. And it's not that I acted that way, but inside I knew like I I was, I've always been a very like competitive young designer and I like, I want to achieve something. But at the same time, you have to be humble and you have to, you have to know, like, you know, you got to work your way up. And so that was a very like poignant moment for me in my first job that, um, that's kept, that's held with me till today. That's a very good lesson. That's a very good lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Physical one too. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) Um, luckily I ended up getting another, um, my own intern. So as, as an intern, I got my own intern, uh, two of them. In fact, one that was, um, Richard Kuczynski, uh, who was, um, a year after me in school. And then another one, Matt Carr, who's, um, so Richard actually is a accomplished footwear designer yes. and Matt Carr is, um, you know, <laughs> creative director at Umbra. Oh yeah. Yes. Nice. Both brilliant men. Yeah. I they met, were, I met Matt. You, you yeah. met Matt. Yeah. Brilliant men. Both of them are like, you know, brothers to me. Wow. Um, for years now and yeah. he was my intern so he would be out and back like milling things and like <laughs> sanding models while I was in the front making CAD and that's why like you know, it's, it's all you know, building up this camaraderie and, mm-hmm. and building uh, kind of a humble nature and, and kind of coming up the ranks together it's uh, it's just a beautiful thing <laughs> that's really that's really cool um, so then you know you graduated Carlton mm-hmm what happened between after you graduated and how'd you end up in the States? It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, so it was always my dream uh, to come to not just the United States. Okay. Um, because this is, you know, the place of dreams. Right. Um, but it was California. It was always California. Specifically California. Pure, California. Pure. I'm of the, of the age, again, to uh, take myself a little bit, um, of the age of 90210. Uh, I'm of the age of Saved yeah. by the Bell. So when pop culture was at its peak, like the the icons, the nineties, that's yeah. right. Ocean Pacific, you know, like all of that. Um, yeah. The skate culture, like I used to skate, and for me, like Santa Cruz skateboards. Oh my God, Santa Cruz, yeah. California, like yeah. it blew my mind. Um, and so I had always dreamed uh, to come to California. I dreamed of of a few things. One to you know live amongst the palm trees. Yeah, like. Palm trees have always been very important, um, you know, symbol to me because of California and the warm weather and the the, the potential that you have here. Um, just it's it's actually poetic that I mm-hmm. am now co-founder of the Rebirth of Palm. Um, I always wanted a convertible car. Yeah. So yeah. in Canada, you don't have no, you can't <laughs> drive a convertible, and if you do, it's a luxury. Yeah. Uh, it's something that you can only drive for six months out of the year. Yeah. And then um, I always wanted a California girlfriend. Okay. That was like always the thing outside of all of the dreams of like the California job and yeah. like all the best design firms were out here. Those were the three things that like that drove me to California. Nice. Um, and, you know, living, growing up in East Coast Canada, yeah. it's cold AF. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you just like, yeah, you play in the snow, but like you, you learn to shovel it. So yeah. um, my dream was always to come and live in the warmth and, uh, and really just you know, follow my dreams. So I graduated, but before I graduated, mm-hmm. I made a portfolio, it was a physical portfolio. It's not like now where it's all digital, right. it's all website. Um, I made a physical portfolio that was also a very awkward size so that I would be noticed. It was really long and narrow um, landscape. <laughs> Learned by 17 or it something was, like No, that. it was an odd size. <laughs> oh. It was like, uh, you know, one by eight. <laughs> 
and it was bound on the one side. So it was really long, kind of wow. like a, like a, um, like a cart, like a comic strip. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that was truly driven by like my days of, you know, drawing comics and creating stories. And so I would have like on this long strip, I'd have a full bleed and then I have a story and then I would do the one, two, three, four, five images of the process. Yeah. And, and I, I created this and it was, it cost me a ton of money, money yeah. I didn't have. You know, I was, I was, I'm from a very humble beginning. Yeah. So there's not like to print all this out and bind them and ship them out. It was just like, I put my life's money into that. Um, and so I shipped it to uh, all of the, my favorite firms. Yeah. I shipped it to Astro. I shipped it to IDEO. Shipped it to Frog Design mm-hmm. amongst a, few, a number of others. Um, I got a, I was lucky to receive uh, a number of callbacks and that was like from a kid in East coast, Canada, like callbacks from anyone in, um, California. Right. But it it actually happened and I was so blessed. And I think it's because of my co-op experience and having shipped product that they saw that there was potential and there was at least some experience under my belt. So anyone faced with the opportunity to do an internship or a co-op, take it because it will transform your opportunity selection. Um, so frog design responded and idea responded. Wow. And, uh, and I said, Oh my God, this is like my dream. Yeah. They were the back of ID magazine. Yep. It was 1998 and Palm five was, had come out and I owned a Palm five yeah. and, um, idea had designed it. Um, I had a subscription to ID magazine and everything on the back of ID magazine, that back page was, you know, Hartman and his company and what they were doing there. And so that was my dream. And so, uh, I'm like, well, you can find me out, right? I'm like, hell no. Fire has <laughs> yeah. yourself. This is like the late 90s. And yeah. they're like, no way. Yeah. You know, there, there are no sign-on bonuses. There are no like yeah. crazy. And I thought, I mean, this is this is dot com. So I thought for sure, like, oh, I'm gonna come here and I make six figures. I'm gonna right. be a big star. Oh no. I came here humble. Um, they made me fly myself out here. I interviewed with Frog Design in San Francisco um and in Sunnyvale. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, they weren't, there was no synergy there. Um, I interviewed with IDEO and uh, Frog Design in Sunnyvale offered me a job. And I, I hadn't graduated yet. And I took the job and I was just beside myself. They negotiated me down to literally bare, bare bones. Like I was making nothing, like literally nothing. And like barely enough to live here because, yeah. you know, rent was so crazy and it was the dot com. So it was, you know, nothing available. Um, and so I got the job and friends were asking, I came, I came back and friends were asking me like, where are you going to go afterwards? And I was keeping it a secret. Yeah. And finally, when I was able to reveal it, it was probably, I think the most proud moment of my life to date. Um, and so literally right after graduation, right before graduation, I didn't even go to my own graduation, right before graduation, I moved to California, Sunnyvale, California, mm-hmm. which sounds beautiful, right? Yeah. Like it's in the name, sunny, it's Sunnyvale. Like I'm coming from, from Canada. Like that is (laughs) the most beautiful place on earth. (laughs) Um, I got there and it was like, Oh, this is Sunnyvale. It was, um, it's just suburban sprawl. Mm -hmm. Right. And back in the two thousands or late nineties, early two thousands, there was not much development. It was just mostly like business parks and some older houses. So it was a bit of a shock to the system. Interesting. Um, but I was working, I frog gave me the frog car. I was driving it around for the first couple of, of months, tried to find an apartment. And, and that's where I started my, the beginning of my industrial design career yeah. as, as like 
a Californian and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's paved the way. <laughs> I didn't know that Frog had a, an office in Sunnyvale. Do they still have an office there? Or they, or they completely just merged and official in San Francisco. They merged. Okay. Yeah. This was in 2000. Okay. They had an office in a business park. Um, it was beautiful though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you walk in and had all of the original like Mac stuff that they did. All the original the Snow Acer White. stuff, Snow yeah. White everywhere. It was just everywhere. It's just wow. like like it was like yeah, yeah of course. Um, original guys were all there. A uh, bunch of like folks from Altenstag where it started. Um, Hartmut Esslinger was uh, my boss's boss, mm-hmm. and I think my very first design hero that I ever looked up to. Wow. I learned under him for six years. He um, was not an easy man to report to not an easy man to design for and design with eventually but design for mm-hmm. is really the way it started off uh, one of the most brilliant men i've ever met he's i mean if anyone you should just google hartman essinger if you don't know him yeah. uh he's a grandfather of industrial design yep. he worked on the first smack with steve jobs steve steve jobs designed you know early sony products he designed the next product with steve jobs mm-hmm. he's just, you know, uh, he's a legend. He's part of design history. Design history. Yeah. You know, stuff is in MoMA and wow. you know, multiple different um, museums. So uh, I learned under him and I learned a lot of really great things from him. Um, I learned how to think differently, uh, truly. Like when he comes to the table and he's sketching with you and you're doing a sketch session, he will make you think completely out of the box. Something that you would have never, ever sketched. You know, I would sketch stuff that would be on vogue, like something really swoopy at the time. You know, nowadays, everything's very like, you know, gestalt and very uh, <laughs> minimal. Um, but back then, everything was swoopy. Everything was... Um, had a lot of form yeah. and Hartman's whole thing was form follows emotion. And I still hold that true today. Everything I create is form follows emotion. Um, And I've evolved that. Everything I've, everything I've um, kind of learned in the early days was, was from, you know, the way that uh, he inspired me and the team and the way that he was extremely uh, heavy handed Mm. with, um, with the way that he gave feedback and the way that he gave constructive criticism to make me better. And it took a long time for me to get used to that kind of tough love. Um, but it's something that, uh, that I've learned over time. Um, it's something that I've also learned to get over. Um, I also became, I've, I was at Frog Design for 11 years. I designed a lot of product and managed a lot of teams over the years mm-hmm. there. And I became a very young creative director. I think I was 29 when I became creative director. Wow at frog and um i was a really shitty creative director hmm. i was um very heavy-handed i learned from the best i learned from hartman yeah um he had retired since and i uh i i ruled in what i thought was uh, the right way that he did and he came from a place of pure passion and just you know i don't try to take anything less but the best than the best and that's something that i tried to emulate and I think I also burned a lot of bridges doing that. And I did not foster um, creativity because of that. I fostered fear. And that's something that um, I lived through in my early days as a manager. And, um, you know, there are many folks that come at uh, managing teams with the sense of like demand and um, fostering fear that, um I even still do till today. Yeah. I admit it. Once in a while it comes out. Like it's not because I want to foster fear. It's because I demand the best. Right. And I believe that like 
when I see talent that it deserves to be fostered. Um, but you know, there's a way that you can communicate in a way that you can, you know, bring the best out of people that I learned the hard way. And I think I've, I've heartened also to kind of benefit from that. Um, but I think the last probably story I would share of him is, you know, I would work till 2 a.m. every day. And that, that's, that's a work ethic that I think I, I get from, you know, my parents mm-hmm. having come from other countries and demanding a lot from me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what I demand for myself. And, um, you know, am I really putting enough in? Um, but what Hartman did was, you know, he'd come into I'd still be there sketching and some of my design, my co-designers would be still sketching and preparing for a presentation day. And he'd come in at 2 a.m. And he'd be like, hey, guys. And he walked straight to his office and he would start playing jazz piano on the piano in his office. And it was the most beautiful stuff. Like, he, and he would—he doesn't use sheet music. This yeah. man is just like he would just play, and yeah. he start be, he'd be playing jazz piano, and half the notes were wrong, and half the notes were more than right. It was the most beautiful experience. And then he'd come out and be like, "Okay, guys, show me what you have." <laughs> and then we do a design review at two a.m. Like, this is shit. This is shit. This is shit. This is amazing. Oh my god! And then when you got an amazing, you're like, and then he would sit there and he would sketch. And like, why don't you try this? Why don't you have you thought about this? And he would build upon us and. That would give me another, like, that would give me more fuel to sketch for another two hours um, and then create the CAD for that, literally working all night. And that happened time and time again. And uh, he inspired me, um, you know, like probably very few other design leaders have um, because of his his true, like, passion. And, mm. uh, and then also just desire for, for, like, wanting to create the best you can yeah. uh, out, of, out of yourself. So this is just amazing. This is like so surreal. <laughs> really? Not too long winded, I hope. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. This is, just, gonna... this is a lot of, <laughs> lot of just, just great, great stories. You literally went from being a Carlton alumni to getting the job of your dreams, working under the wing of Hartman mm-hmm. at Frog. And, and then you were there for 11 years. This is like, like you should have played the lottery on the first day that you got there. Like, how, <laughs> like you, like, like, how do you, this is such a, like, you know, whenever there's no way that you would have guessed this would have happened. No. I mean, obviously, you know, you take us back to your humble beginnings and, and your, your father kind of teaching you and incentivizing you. And at an early age, I can, the way you were telling me this, you, the energy and, and how ambitious you were, I think all of that plays into uh, you were pretty much setting yourself up for success at an at a, at a early in your early twenties, right? I uh, I've been blessed to have a fairly linear career mm-hmm. and goal. Yeah, um, I uh, I know that there are many folks out there that struggle with what should I be doing and what am I here for? Yeah. Uh, what's my superpower? Yeah. And I've been blessed to have found. Uh, my talent early mm. in sketching yeah. and my desire and following my desire to create early in life and having parents and a support structure around me to foster that. And not everyone is lucky enough to have that. Yeah. And though I come from humble beginnings and I'm lucky that I'm, I went to school in Canada where university doesn't cost you literally your arm and a leg. Um, it, <laughs> You know, you're not in student debt for the next decade. Um, and my parents helped me and they paid for my very menial, um, uh, you know, tuition fees. 
Um, but I came to California with nothing, yeah. with nothing in my pocket. I sold my Honda mm. and I came here with nothing, with a very basic salary. Um, but truly just in this belief that I could live 90210. Yeah. Like I could truly be like <laughs> Dylan McKay or I could be Brandon Walsh or maybe a mix of the two of them. I don't know. I still have this dream to like drive a, a speedster. Yeah. So um, we'll see if one day That's I get there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's truly just this desire to... Um, to be the the best like person and and give back as much um, and bring kind of this passion and um, I would say joy to mm-hmm. people when I create a product that they use it and they just they they just relish in in that moment you know like I love this and or if they don't love the product they just love the experience mm-hmm. that it has like brought them. Uh, that to me is, is the best joy that I've ever had. And, you know, early in my career shipping something and knowing someone had bought it and used it and was really happy about it. That to me is probably the the best reward and still continues to be in many ways, the best reward that that I have as a creator of things. That's a good reminder on why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I'm saying that I'm looking at your neck and you have a palm necklace. Oh yeah, yeah, you can see them. Yeah. yeah, that really is your mantra. That really was your vision since day one. You're absolutely right. You're you're looking so to describe what you're looking at. I have a, a gold necklace around my neck that um, is a palm tree mm-hmm. that I wear around my neck every single day. Uh, it's a reminder of my dream, and it's a reminder of the community that I have at my company yeah. that I share with my co-founder and amazing, amazing crew. We call ourselves Palm Crew, um, and I, I, uh, we made these at Shapeway. Oh, we wow. we designed and made this palm yeah. icon. It's an outline of a palm tree that we wear around our necks. All of my employees have one. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of us uh, wears it and in our own way. Some puts it on, some of us put it on our keychain. Some of us wear it around our necks. Um, some of our partners we've given it to our closest of partners and only the closest. Um, but those who are truly Palm Crew, um, and it's and it is it's very like poetic that I am now, you know. Not to fast forward too much, but like I've, I've had the blessing to um, re reignite this flame that is Palm, one of the most amazing California companies yeah. that ever was in tech and in product, and I've had this uh, you know luxury to reinvent it, and it just so happens that the palm tree is my favorite plant. Right, <laughs> so, oh, that's not a coincidence. Part of my dream. It, it must all come together subconsciously. Yeah, it, 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 Sounds like a full circle. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so you were at Frog and you were there for yeah. 11 years. What happened after? What what were you, did you want to experience something new or, or maybe yeah. work for another, in another environment or? It's interesting. At, at Frog, I was there 11 years. So I, I had a chance to work on so many types yeah. of physical product. Um, Motorola, all the early like flip phones that you guys have used. I got a chance to work on um, even Nokia phones, bar phones, um, the first Disney consumer electronics line, like all the firsts of um, at the time. Like I remember working on like early Xbox controllers, early Brita filters, wow, um, like all of the like the stuff yeah. that we just like look at and you're like, oh yeah, well that's just I mean it's yeah. there. Of course yeah. we all have them in our house, but like they didn't exist before. Yeah. Um, and we were creating them and it, it was just such a blessing. Um, and, 
bringing in the digital side of things. You know, that's the birth of the early 2000s, the birth of digital interface and uh, service design. And so to bring all that together under one roof of frog design was, was just magical. And, uh, and I, I was like, I'm going to do this for myself one day. Like it's always been my dream. I believe I'm going to start my own firm. I'm going to, I'm going to be a famous designer with my own design firm. Like all of the guys that I'm sure you follow, um, who are literally like living in and around this beautiful area. We are neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, In San Francisco, all very talented individuals. Um, and, uh, and you know, what's funny is instead of starting my own firm, I ended up moving to another firm. Okay. (laughs) I had a dream of of starting my own firm, but in the end I moved to another firm. Um, and that was ammunition. Okay. And, um, and, and it was interesting as I thought, well, you know, it's, it's a firm, so I know how to do this. It should be, it should be quite easy. In fact, actually, I learned so much there. They did things so differently than, than at Frog Design. There were obviously a lot of overlap being a, a consulting firm. Yeah. But the way that Ammunition approached design and product development was quite different than Frog Design at the time that I had left. So this was, uh, like 2010 ish, I think. Okay. Um, and you know, Beats by Dre uh, was in the first generation. Um, the designer who had actually worked on that very first one, Francois Nguyen, I had actually stolen him to Frog, and uh, and so you know, there was a lot of like cross pollination amongst firms. Mm-hmm. And um, Ammunition was a budding firm and had done some great things, and I was very proud to join that firm. The team is so strong. Um, some of the best designers that I've worked with um, worked there. And so I, I went over as VP of Design Studio to work with Bob Bruner um, and Victoria and a bunch of other amazing designers that are even like that have left. They're still there. Chris, Gregoire, I can name all of them. Um, and so um, what was great about that experience was, you know, the Beats experience, of course, is very unique. You know, something that uh, Bob had you know, created as a startup, um, you know, Jimmy and Dre created the company, Bob came on as a very kind of unique partner as a product development partner. Uh, and, and that lured me in cause like yeah. just looking at design from a business perspective rather than just a gig mm-hmm. or even a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. I designed many things at Frog Design over long-term relationships, but never had I gone to a firm or done something with myself where truly like the designer was there at the table at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what drew me into ammunition was that business relationship. And also ammunition was creating their own product as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before Kickstarter. So they weren't kickstarting them, but they were using funding. They had got uh, angel investors. They were creating their own like leather line at the time. Um, they had you know other great relationships. So it was just a wonderful experience to go into there and, um, and, and work on beats, work on other amazing uh, projects like Square. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack Dorsey, it was early days of Square. Square. And so, you know, that was an amazing opportunity for me to get in there on ground floor, work with Jesse at, mm-hmm. uh, at Square, who had just joined from Apple to lead their product. And it was just early days. There was no register. There was no like, like wireless Square. We defined right. all those products together. It was early days, uh, and um, we designed the entire soup to nuts with with Square, and you know they're an amazing partner because they put design first, and they des- they um, 
you know, the interface design to the business aspect of it, uh, to the product design, um, to the branding, to the packaging, completely holistic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, working on the register and, you know, taking that, building that design language, um, of the rounded square and, you know, pushing it into all of the different facets. That is the brand that, you know, today. And, you know, it's so, so it's a proud moment to see that, you know, that company is doing so well, um, and they're thriving mm -hmm. and uh, to have been part of that early part of, of their, their kind of existence and product and see how the product has now evolved as well outside of me. Um, it's just a beautiful thing. So, um, I was working at ammunition. I stayed there for a couple of years and I still had this itch though. Yeah. I still had an itch. Like yeah. it was I knew, like I wanted to start my own thing. <laughs> you know, I was like, I got to start my own gig. Yeah. Again, it's been a dream of mine. Um, and I went on a, uh, I went on a kind of a three week vacation to Italy. Okay. Um, you know, I, <laughs> it's strange. Like in America, we don't take enough vacations. We don't take long enough vacations. We don't take enough sabbaticals to, to like truly let your mind open up. And this is a three week vacation. It's not a very long, yeah, it's, not, it's not very long, but right? it's long compared to, you know, the usual, the usual. Yeah. It was the longest vacation I'd ever taken in my entire life. Jeez. To that point. And I went to Italy. Yeah. It was the first time I ever went to Italy. Okay. Um, and those of you who've been to Italy, you know, um, you know, it's probably one of those magical places you've ever, you could ever mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I, I planned this whole trip. You know, we went, it was from the top to the bottom, started in Milan, uh, went to Venice, went over, got like rented a convertible, wow. drove through Tuscany, stopped at wineries, ate the grapes off the vine, um, stopped at wineries, watched them crush the grapes, drinking the grape juice straight off of the Lamborghini uh, tractors. <laughs> it's like, and wow. they're like, oh, come over here and yeah. try this. And it's just like the most beautiful thing. Yeah. Stopping in Orvieto and like these little hilltop towns and just eating the best cacio pepe you could ever have. Um, it was just the most amazing eye-opening trip. And it took, it gave me a moment to, gave me pause. Like I've been working on all these amazing products and developing my career and putting career first and putting creation first that I realized that actually a lot of, um, you know, the creating I was doing ended up becoming probably a little copy paste in my approach. Yeah. You know, I knew how to do the consultancy really, really well. I knew how to like talk to clients. I knew how to, you know, make them feel like they're getting something next and something better and something like, you know, disruptive and, and then creating that for them, you know, one of the greatest products that I loved out of the ammunition experience was the Adobe ink pen and the Adobe ink pen was this like the very first product that Adobe really shipped. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in conjunction with one of my best friends, Jeff Dowd, who worked there at the time. Um, and we created this like twist pen and it was the very first time that you'd ever taken, um, like bike technology, like where they create the tubes of a bike. Um, and we created a tiny little pen that had a, a, a twist out of aluminum. Um, and, and we had like created a four-sided one. And there was like this most amazing moment where it's like, well, if you look at the three fingers coming together, it's actually a triangle. So let's make it a triangle that's twisted and then developing the technology around it. And it was just like, just magical times, right? Yeah. Um, that we were helping clients do amazing things, disruptive things in, in their field. Like Adobe had never done physical yeah. product, but it wasn't enough for me, right? I just like, I, I wanted my own thing and I wanted to create something that I thought was my own. 
So I went to Italy, back to the Italy story, and uh, I like I went to to Venice. I don't know if you've had a chance to go to Venice. I've never been to Italy. Oh my at god, all. my yeah. friend, friend, please, you got to go. Yeah. Um, the first time I stepped off the train in, in Venice, mm-hmm. I can't describe the feeling. You get off, and you know, you just you open your eyes, and you look at this wonderland that was built hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's true, like Disneyland now. Like you get out and you're like, oh, great. There's a Star Wars experience or there's something like whatever based off of brand and based off of like product. No, no, no. This is truly a wonderland. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen architecturally. <laughs> it shocked me. Yeah. And like, I know it's a tourist overrun and it's like, it's horrible that it's sinking. And I mean, like we could talk, right. like, I could talk days about this, but it was like the most awe-inspiring thing I had seen to date at that time. Um, so you know, I got on the water taxi and I was going through the, the, the all the waterways and seeing this beautiful little like Airbnb esque place. It was a tiny it was there was no there was no Airbnb, but um at that time, but it was like right off of San Marco Square, and um and it was like it rained and the the square flooded and the most beautiful like rainbow was perfectly. Like from end to end over yeah. the square, like all of the most beautiful things you could ever imagine that could happen <laughs> to you, like as signs yeah. in the world, uh, literally just like punched me in the face one after another, after another. Um, and so I took this trip and, uh, you know, went down through to Sorrento, down to Amalfi coast in this beautiful little like Peugeot, um, convertible. And I stayed in Amalfi coast in this 12th century convent. It's a 12th, imagine 12th century convent. It's like a white building that was turned into a boutique hotel that's on the top of a cliff that overlooked the Amalfi Coast. Jeez. And all of the like amazing like yachts that people had yeah. and the beautiful humble ways people were living. Like the dichotomy of that was amazing. People were having like yacht parties down there whilst others were like living on the cliff in these tiny little apartments with beautiful views and, you know, all, all driving these like little Fiat 500s and... Um, it was the end of my three week trip and I was there and I was so lucky to like, have this beautiful view and I was laying out by the pool. It was this like really tiny infinity pool that at the top of a cliff that looked over all of the Malfi coast. And the, the, it was dusk, um, it was sunset into dusk. And like, I was just like, I was talking to my girlfriend and I'm like, like, I think I need to like quit and like start my own firm. Like I think it needs to happen. Like it's time. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me, she's like, yep, it's way overdue. You've been talking about it for how long? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, holy shit. I'm like on this like cliff with this magical place. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it. So, uh, I plans to leave and start my own firm, much like my good friend, Michael Tulo has done and others. And like, I'm going to start my own design firm. Uh, it was the next morning I was, uh, we were planning to come back to California and I received a phone call and it was Samsung following up. Cause I had talked to Samsung a year and a half before that, a year, just over a year before that. And I wasn't interested and I was like, Oh no, I'm not ready. Like, I'm very happy at ignition. And they literally called me while I was in Italy and they said, look, we're opening the studio. Um, we've hired some amazing people and it's, you can just do whatever you want with it. Um, we've hired this guy named Dennis. 
He's amazing. He like he'd be your partner in crime. Like you, I, we believe that like he comes from a design background, but from a digital design background. Yeah. UI UX. He was from Google. I think you guys are really get along. And I'm like, but I just literally last night decided I'm going to start my own design firm, like Howard Nook Design or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And uh, and then I'm like, well, I mean, it's kind of like I just made this decision to leave, so I might as well just talk to them. Mm. And I came back to California and literally that month samsung had become world number one in sales for their s3 galaxy s3 Mm -hmm. smartphone and like wow they're really doing something special and i went in to talk to dennis and we got along like immediately there was a kinship and uh, it was like out of the gate and the man's brilliant smart there's an intensity to him um, you know, he totally understood my background and like my, like the way I am. And so he, we, we were just like, we're like brothers from day one. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go to Samsung. Yeah. And this, so, this was Samsung design center here in San Francisco. Samsung design America in San Francisco, brand new studio from the ground up. And you had the keys to the. Dennis and I effectively had the keys wow. to the whole studio. Um, and to do. It was never like to do whatever we want with it because believe me, if you've ever heard about working at Samsung or um, have worked at Samsung, you'll know it's not an easy place to work. Um, But we, we took advantage of the opportunity and uh, built amazing relationships there where we, we truly made it what we wanted it to be. And all of the amazing talent that worked there uh, in, in concert created probably the most and I'll just pat myself on the back for a minute and all of us that worked at Samsung. Um, one of the most successful design studios that Samsung's ever had to date. And I think still to date, yeah. um, it, it's an amazing group of people. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you a little bit about that, but like the Cliffs Notes is we literally shipped over 15 products out of that studio. Wow. And in a, you can imagine like what Samsung might be like 164, uh, so what is it? There's 64 Samsung companies. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of employees. Electro- Samsung Electronics is literally the biggest company yeah. within all of those companies. Global number one in all of the electronics. It's very hard to move a ship like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of a very small studio, we figured out how to do it. And it took some time and it took a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But we did some amazing, amazing things there. What are some of those products that you shipped? So we, we started off um, with, uh, you know, our mandate was to create and disrupt, um, not to just do the next of um, that's already out there. Like the S3 is a great success story. Like, are we going to work in the S4? No, we're not. Um, our job was to create the future. And that's something that in all the consultancies that I've ever worked at, um, everything that I've ever sketched and created, it's always something new. Um, and so our job and the way that Dennis and I set it up was like, this is a studio to create what's next, to make Samsung feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. to make a, a huge multi-billion dollar company think differently um, and act differently and show up differently. And uh, the very first year was a very difficult year. Yeah, um, Samsung works in the Samsung way. They're... Um, yeah. It was at that time, especially very 
almost militaristic in the way that it, the hierarchy set up. It's very layered. You know, there's like this level and this years of experience equals this. And then this person says something you must do. Um, or do you consent to this? Or, and then this is the action. Um, and so we broke that mold, not by being the, uh, not by being the cowboys, the typical <laughs> American cowboys. The typical, yeah. I'm coming in and blazing our guns and like, ah, this is what it must be. No, it's, it's coming in and, and Dennis as well is from an immigrant background. We're both, you know, first gen here. Um, we have this, um, innate ability to understand culture because our families are from other countries and other walks of life yeah. that, uh, we came in and we, we built bridges and we built bridges at the top of the company from the chairman all the way down to, all of the working levels with regards to um, you know, manufacturing, engineering, product planning. So we worked on and we designed from, from napkin sketch, literally napkin sketch, designed, developed, and delivered um, the entire accessory and wearable lineup for Samsung over the course of four years. So, um, you know, plus or minus a couple of products that happened at HQ. Gear Fit, the very first Gear Fit. So the, the first curved display wearable uh, the Gear Fit 2 uh, that has since come out. Um, the Gear S, mm-hmm. very first curved smartwatch. Uh, the Gear S2, very first round, mm-hmm. very first round smartwatch with the, the dial. We did the industrial design and some of the UI for that. Um, even influenced the Gear S3. Um, we've definitely influenced the, the current Gear Active that's out there. Um, the entire level headphone line. Wow. I've, got, I've got experience in, in audio and um, and headphones. And so, you know, we designed all of the over-ear, on-ear, in-ear, um, around-the-neck gear circle, um, named the level headphone line, designed the logo, like literally soup to nuts, the level, entire level line was, was all from our studio. Oh, you can hear the birds. <laughs> um, the, uh, the Icon X products, the smart hearables. Uh, the Galaxy View, um, a bunch of other products as well within the home CE space. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was, it was ridiculous the amount of influence that we were able to have because of the way that, um, our, our group was thinking, the way our group was functioning, the passion and, and energy put into it. Um, and the way that the group was kind of set out up was we had about 40 to 50 people and we had members. Um, from each discipline. So strategy, mm-hmm. industrial design, engineering, um, UI, UX, uh, all the way around. And the brain trust was here in San Francisco. We leveraged the, the strengths of HQ with regards to engineering, distribution, logistics, product planning. Um, we leveraged even the marketing arm of New York. Um, you know, A37 is, is a New York marketing arm. It's like they have brilliant people that work there the meatpacking district. So we leveraged like that and worked synergistically to truly create some of like literally, I think it was 90% of the accessories from like 2013 till almost now um, around the phone. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So like four, four years of that, Dennis and I and our team, over 40 trips to Korea. Every month I flew to Korea, spent weeks there um working with the ceo eating bulgogi with him drinking soju (laughs) Um, (laughs) like working with the the lineup teams Mm -hmm. drinking with them working with them strategizing with them um to create all of these 
amazing products that, you know, looking at Samsung today, it's a very different company now than it was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that we've, we've definitely made an imprint yeah. and helped the company, um, you know, just truly like disrupt themselves and, uh, and create product that people hopefully love to use. Was it really intense to work there in the fact that, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009 was a, really the beginning of, you know, an arms race with, uh, with, with Apple and the whole smartphone, you know, um, and then obviously Google coming in later, but it got really competitive that space, right? So the expectations must've been, the stakes must've been really high. Stakes were very high. The, uh, the world's eyes were on exactly. Samsung and Apple. Yeah, everyone, yep. You know, um, Apple did Samsung a, a great service by, you know, going after them. You know, Samsung was copying all of the stuff, um, at least known to be a copycat. Um, and um, I think, you know, Samsung has completely changed now. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, the design level at Samsung and engineering level still um, is just high of the highest quality so yeah. I, I have nothing but respect for samsung okay. what um what has been happening lately uh you know we we <laughs> we leveraged that um you know a lot of the marketing was done and it really leveraged and pitted samsung against apple and it really brought samsung's brand almost to the same level at least within fighting re- range of right. apple yep. and i think apple could look back and probably think oh that was probably a bad move because like we they were part of making Samsung. Exactly. Like, uh, I guess, yeah, exactly. Samsung and, L- and LG were kind of the same level at the time and they yeah. weren't, they weren't really there yet. But Apple, by going after Samsung, um, helped Samsung. Kind of elevated that. It elevated Samsung yeah. up. And, um, I think, you know, looking at, uh, the time it was, you know, I was blessed to work on all of the things around the phone. I just, I love creating the new. Um, we also in that group, worked on some of the early stuff around Galaxy Fold, um, really? early stuff around, wow. yeah, all the new stuff. Yeah. We were working on all the new stuff. I didn't work on the current Galaxy Fold by any means, but like all the sure. early stuff, like dual screen stuff, yeah. all the, we were, we were creating the future. Yeah. Like we were true, it was science fiction in many ways, but it was science fact in that we didn't look beyond three years. We were, we were truly trying to stay within the 18 month to two year gap where innovation can happen and it's not invention. Um, you know, the, the current like foldable screens, that was invention at that time. That was like, you still, the technology didn't exist for mass production. And it's, let's just be honest, it still currently doesn't exist. You know, they're, they're having a ton of problems with regards to yield and, uh, and, and resilience. Um, but, uh, you know, our focus was, was science fact and we created all these different products to, our focus was always simplifying, simplify, simplify, simplify. And we saw at that time during those four years, how mobile phones were truly like taking over our minds. They're rewiring <laughs> how we think, you know, the phones are getting so big. It was the very first time where the Galaxy Note came out and we were there and we saw these, you know, cute little folks, um, like cute little Korean girls working like working at Samsung where they they were using these notes and the note was the size of their heads. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, does that look right? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. And um and we were all like wondering like we would go to 
bars and restaurants. We still currently do. Yeah. And people are like truly in their phones as wallflowers, not interacting with the person next to them, yeah. not engaging in real life. And it was a course of four years where we believed that wearables could do that. Yeah. The, the future of wearables, we designed a whole lookup campaign. We designed um, Gear S, the Gear S2 to truly be standalone. Yeah. And now, like with Apple Watch being standalone in air quotes, with LTE, with you know battery life being only okay, um, Samsung watches as well. We were the first to bring a, a truly standalone mm-hmm. wearable, and our mission was you could text on this. It ended up making the watch too big. We know, um, I know, there are things I would do differently, but because of the forces of a company, um, you don't always get right. what you want. Compromises you're made. Um, truly. Uh, the vision of being able to leave your phone at home and just taking a more lightweight type of product around with you at our time at Samsung was a wearable, um, was what we wanted to do. And it, while we were there, it never really came to, to bear. Um, it's only now happening years later with Apple Watch yeah. where you can at least use your voice to text a bit. You can check a few things, but there's no camera on it. There's no... There's no real apps like where you can truly like get any real function. It's it's very very lightweight. It's like polar and lightweight. Right. Um, so you know we were there for for four years and we were seeing the trends of smartphones, and uh, and I'm like, there's just there's just no way that you know I'm going to be carrying around this damn tablet in my pocket for the rest of time. And Dennis and I we we looked at each other and we we're like. We think that, you know, we're doing ourselves a disservice in this world where we're truly addicted to Instagram. We're truly addicted to, you know, um, all of the social feeds Mm -hmm. and we do it in in broad daylight and we do it as a disservice to relationships that we have in real life. Like you and I are here, we're talking and, you know, if this was a, a social situation, I probably would have pulled out my pocket tablet and been checking Instagram to see if I got a like on something. You know what I mean? And, and like the dopamine reaction that you get from like a like on Instagram is like someone giving you a dollar bill. Yeah. Like there's literally scientific proof. Yeah. Whereas like here, you have a dollar bill or have like a like on Instagram and it's the same things that fire in your brain. So like we looked at each other and we said, there must be something else. Mm-hmm. There must be something else that we can do to, to help the world. So um, it was three years ago now almost where um, we Samsung, like we truly had created 15, like at that time, probably launched 11 products. Now 15, something like that. Um, and we said, okay, with, in, instead of doing it underneath the umbrella of Samsung, why don't we do this for ourselves? Yeah. And we truly have control and the compromises made will not be put upon us, but the compromises will be only because we decided to make those compromises and we're okay with those compromises. Yeah based on the vision and the mission that we have for our company. So, uh, yeah, that was three years ago. And we, we left Samsung and, uh, we, <laughs> we didn't start a company yet. We literally just sat down and we looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? Yeah. And we hung out for like three months and yeah. we, we hung out in our pajamas, <laughs> literally like yeah. not, no snuggies, but yeah. like yeah. straight up, like in our houses, in the front seat of his car, just talking about stuff. Like we go out and we have a drink or we go and we watch movies and we are like, what are we going to do yeah. um, to help the world, you know, fight this digital addiction that the company we were literally just at and the company he was at before, which is Google, um, you know, 
rewarded us yeah. on addiction and rewarded us for people like unlocking their phones more and more every day. Um, and so that's what kind of led us to, to our current venture. How, how, that's, that's, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That, that is wild. That is, I think that usually happens when you work with, uh, you know, like, okay, so I'm going to tell you something, but I'm not going to reveal much because I haven't made it public. But currently at my job, it's rewarding. It's great. And obviously you, you know, you're like, okay, this is cool, but I'm not in control. Right. Sure. Yes. And if I would be in control, I would do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And usually that's usually what happens when great ideas are born. Yeah. You start to work in the background, you start to tinker with things and you start to, Talk to your friends and PJs and, right. and, and, but what you're the doing, conversation. yeah, the, the, the deep stuff, the foundational stuff, that's what, it, what's, that's what I'm going through right now. So I can totally relate with you that there's, there's a spark, right? And you can't start a fire without a spark. That's right. Right. Song about that. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that's essentially how you ended up acquiring i'm not 100 percent sure how this happened i would love to hear mm-hmm. how because palm was an iconic 90s brand yes how were you able to then go after palm mm-hmm. and then make it your own uh that is the million dollar question there's we get asked that all the time yeah because uh, palm is such an iconic brand especially to those i would say over the ages of 35 30 to 35. Um, it's, it's just, I mean, it's one of the brands that built the Bay area. Um, and so it was by accident. Mm. Uh, and that's, what's beautiful about it is, you know, we, we started the company in the front seat of his car, of Dennis's car. We were like talking about business plan, what we would do. We started to, um, you know, hang out and talk about like, what would be like the anti tablet in my pocket? Um, what would like keep people from checking this damn thing all the time, incessantly mm-hmm. to the point where they truly become, uh, different people. Like they, 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 uh, they become hermits almost in daily life amongst in crowds of people. And so, um, <laughs> we, we created a business plan. Uh, we believed in this idea of lightweight mobility where we have experience with, with smartwatches and we knew where smartwatches had gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Smart rock watches, they didn't fulfill the needs that we thought that they could back in 2012 when we were designing them. Um, and the reason why is there's a few things. Uh, one, um, the app ecosystem is so minimal. And even if you do build out a full app ecosystem like you do with the phone, um, you still have a processor in there and you still have a battery in there that isn't the same as your phone. So um, it's very difficult on a screen that's the size of a postage stamp to do the things you really want to do, which is like text something, yeah. someone, or you know, look at something, review something, or even like respond to even an email uh, with a short burst. Um, very hard to do on a watch. Um, at Samsung, there's a whole different operating system, which is called Tizen. So what we had to do was we had to go out to every app maker and beg them to make a Tizen version Tizen of their app, version. and then they would say no. And then what we'd have to do is like internally at Samsung Design America, create our own app for them on Tizen and then review with them and then eventually ship it. So apps problem, platform problem. 
And the third thing was there's no camera on the thing. And the very first Samsung watch had a camera and everyone called it out as I didn't design that one. Didn't, we didn't work on that. Um, but it had a camera. It was a very low megapixel camera, poor quality, but you could take quick pics with it. Everyone was like, okay, spy cam. It was the whole like Google Glass issue where like people are like, mm-hmm. okay, ban Google Glass, ban gear one because of the camera. Because spy cam in the change room at the gym or spy cam, like you're at a public place and you can take pictures without people knowing. Like there's just a whole like stigma around mm-hmm. that. So no camera mm-hmm. on, on the watch. And even though there are rumors that, you know, companies are starting to bring that back now, times have changed in the last like, you know, eight years or so. Um, maybe you'll see it again and maybe socially it'll be acceptable eventually. Um, but at the moment it's not. So um, we said, okay, with all those hindrances with wearables, what could we create that isn't a pocket tablet that can truly help you live life in the moment, not make you a bad boyfriend or a bad girlfriend or a bad parent or, you know, just a, a, you know, the person that walks into a pole on the street because you're checking something, uh, which we're walking into someone else because we're checking something on our phone, right. which we've all done. Yeah. Um, and so we came up with this idea um, that you can have lightweight mobility, but also have all the things you love. And that was the genesis of our current product. We um, we watched the movie Her. Yes. And we saw this credit card size product that yep. he put in his pocket. And had a camera on it and had a little display. And he didn't interact on it. He didn't sit there on Instagram on right. this thing. No, he used voice. Mm-hmm. He talked to the product. And he fell, he fell in love with the product in yeah. the end. Um, I mean, Scarlett Johansson's voice. How can you blame him? Of course. (laughs) Um, But he truly did everything with his voice. Yeah. Uh, And um, he didn't do anything with his typing with his fingers. And he used the camera for the benefits of a camera to share and to experience a moment together with someone and synchronously and or asynchronously. Um, And so that was an amazing inspiration point for us. We're like, we're going to create a credit card size device that you can use with your voice. And luckily, Google Assistant at the time, Google Voice, um, okay, Google, et cetera, right? You know, was a budding technology. It's gotten better and better over the years. They're an amazing partner to us right now. Um, and it will just get better. So we like, we said, okay, we'll leverage that because 90% of the things you can do today, like start a run on Strava, start a song on, on Spotify, right. like, hey, you know, play Kendrick Lamar on Spotify, boom, that plays, right? You don't need to go into Spotify and tap and tap and tap. So that was truly our inspiration. So we came up with a business plan on how to create the product, how to monetize the product, how to brand the product. Um, And there was no palm at the time, how to manufacture the product. And we booked a trip to China Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's what you do when you want to make a product. We wanted to leverage the fact that we knew how to make a global product through Samsung, Samsung Design America. 40 people in a room, brain trust, leverage the thousands of people that are in HQ and boom, you can make a global product. So we said, well, we can do that ourselves. We have, let's say we build a small startup, brain trust here in San Francisco. We find a manufacturing partner in China. Boom, we've got our engine, make a quality product. We're QA, we're driving it, we design it. We um, work with them to engineer it and make sure that it's to our spec. We make the compromises we make, we, we are okay making, um, and then create the product that's, that we dream about. So we flew to, to China, 
nothing in our hand. Again, this is literally like California 2.0, like nothing in our pockets. I had no, I had no salary. Like this is our startup, right? We had, we have no money coming in. Um, I made my pajamas. I changed out of them when we flew to China <laughs> and the two of us, we met with manufacturers and we happened to meet with one called TCL. Huh. TCL is a conglomerate manufacturing China that makes, they're the global, like fastest global develop, um, you know, manufacturer of TVs right now. Flat right. TVs. Yeah. Um, you see them everywhere. They're like, they sponsor like the Chinese theater in LA. Like, they're a big deal in TV. They have Neymar as their like spokesperson yep. for their TV group. They also make phones. Hmm. They made the Virtue phone. They literally like manufactured oh, nice. the Virtue phone. Yeah. So you know the quality is yeah. like the highest. Mm -hmm. They manufactured like Porsche design phones. They manufactured, wow. you know, all these different brands as an OEM. They manufacture their own phones. They're like, wow, these guys are great. They have the ability to do manufacturing in mass. And we, we trust that they can do that for us. So we met their CEO at the time. The CEO is Nicolas Zeibel. This man is a Frenchman. Hmm. He's a French guy living in Shenzhen. Tall, very debonair, talks with a French accent, you know, uh, just like has the passion. And we just totally got along with this guy. We got him. Like we, we just, we bonded immediately. And he's, he's okay, show me what you've got. And like, let me see what I can do. And we, we explained this idea of this lightweight mobile future and what we want to create in this product. And he's like, this is amazing. Holy cow. I'm, I'm blown away. I know I not only want to truly manufacture this for you with TCL and the scale that we can bring to you and the distribution we can bring to you, but I want to invest in you. Wow. I want to give you seed investment. Jeez. Like, Oh, you want to give us money? Oh yes. I want to invest in you. I believe in you too. I believe in what you've created and I believe in the vision of what you want to create. So he was, effectively half of our seed investment and the other half was private wealth that we found yeah. um, for our seed investment for the company that would be Palm in the future. And we were like, holy cow, we've got a manufacturer, we've got seed investment. Like, how could this be any better? Like, we can actually pay ourselves now. Yeah. Um, we can actually get a studio and not like be in our PJs in our, in our like homes and like home offices. And he goes, the third thing, and he was sitting there and he's like, this is this product literally fits in the palm of your hand. Yeah, it's like a credit card sized smart product that you can make your own. That's just, just the essentials. He goes, well, it fits in the palm of your hand. What do you think of the Palm brand? And we're like, well, we're both immigrants to California. Yeah, one of the best, most like amazing brands from like the mid '90s through the 2000s created products like, you know, the uh, Palm Pilot, Palm Pilot, clearly yeah. Palm Pilot number one, for me, the Palm 5, yeah. number one, the Trio. Yeah, the you know, trio. I have a friend that had two trios, mm. literally have Slider two one. trios to keep one and then one in case it, the, the other one broke down uh -huh. because they were not willing to go to iPhone. Like that's truly how much the brand meant to her. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just such like, such a strong and amazing brand. One word, one syllable means California, the palm tree, California, <laughs> the land of, of plenty, the land of um, dreams. Um, the, it fits in the palm of your hand. <laughs> we just we looked at each other and we're like, wow, what do you mean? What do you think about it? And he goes, well, just turns out that in 2014, TCL bought the global rights to the palm brand from HP. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's amazing. Wow. Um, so it was kind of like dropped in our lap where, you know, HP had bought Palm brand, mm-hmm. Palm, um, all of the Palm IP at the time for $1.2 billion. And HP, unfortunately, did not do enough with the Palm brand and Palm products. So they they parsed it out. They sold off the UI <laughs> to, um, to uh, LG to become a TV UI. As WebOS, um, which is again also you know one of the most amazing <laughs> um, platforms that inspired you know iOS, iOS, sense. yep. And Palm uh, Brand TCL. So we ended up ex- uh, securing the global exclusive rights to the Palm Brand. So we are Palm.com. I'm Howard at Palm.com. Um, we are we have every brand name underneath the palm brand that has ever come to bear like palm trio and palm pixie and palm source etc uh, globally so yeah. across like from here th- to brazil and back like literally we we have it all um and so we are the new palm and we we have this amazing opportunity and we wanted to truly you know give respect to the original palm brand and reinvent it in a way that gave it that that respect it deserves as truly one of the most important innovation and innovative brands uh, that has ever come to be in tech. <laughs> what an amazing story. This was all done by just meeting with a manufacturer. Yeah. A chance meeting with a manufacturer. And you had an idea mm-hmm. and he saw we had immense media. potential. We had a PowerPoint. Yeah. That's all we had. Yeah. We had PowerPoint and we had um, our years of experience and our belief in what could be. And uh, we had a kinship form with a man who wanted to do something amazing with this brand and was of the era that he knew that this brand deserved to be treated with respect and to be reinvented in the right way and not done in a way that's just like slapped onto something, but done with, with thoughtfulness. And the way that original Palm, um, you know, was created as a brand and a product, it truly, like, it helped you. It taught you how to organize your life. Like, you wow. had to learn graffiti, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, it taught you how to take your digital life and organize it on the go. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we believe now with Palm is we're teaching you how to kind of <laughs> um, live life. Yeah live life for the better get out of the screen Mm -hmm. we're teaching our customers um to use technology in a different way much like the original palm taught you how to use graffiti we're teaching you how to live life in life mode and that's our our mantra and our mission which is to get people out of the screen and get out of um this daily you know infinity scroll searching for likes and searching for followers but truly like live life with the loved ones that are right in front of you and develop your social circle right in front of you, your family, your friends, um, to be meaningful once again. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been a long journey, you know, it's, uh, it's been two and a half to three years now that we've started the company. Um, we spent 18 months developing the product from scratch. Uh, we, we had nothing. So, uh, we, I took a, I took balsa wood. We knew the thickness of the product. We, we started a, an R&D team with um, TCL. I, I got a, an eight millimeter, which the product now is 7.3 millimeters thick. I got an eight millimeter piece of like balsa wood. And I, I, um, 
I filed it and, and sawed it with a hacksaw and created all of these different like sizes of product, mm-hmm. you know, made these different shapes and we, we put them on our bodies. We tested them out. We, we just felt like, what could this product be? Could we wear it in different ways? Could we wear it around our neck the way I'm wearing it right now? Could we wear it on our forearm? Um, could we wear it in our smallest coin pocket? You know, and in wearing it those ways, how would that affect our daily behavior? Would it make us check it less? We create, we, we held journals. We kept journals all day long. Like, okay, if I want to check Instagram right now, would I pull it out? Oh, but you know, it's a small screen. So maybe I wouldn't want to, but I want to take a photo of this and post it to a story. Great. Okay. I'm going to pull it out. Um, at the time it was just a post because there were no stories. I want to do a post. Great. So I'll pull it out, take a picture of something. So I pulled that balsa wood out and I took a note of that in my journal. And we did that for months, figuring out like what's the right size and what's the right form factor. How would people put this on their body? Another interesting side story, which is uh, the original founders of Palm, the OG original yep. founders of Palm, they reached out to us. Hmm. Jack Hawkins, um, Donna Dubinsky, they reached out and they said, what are you guys doing? This is amazing. We've seen what you've launched. Um, and they were intrigued. And we were actually really worried. We were truly worried to reach out to them because they're OG. They're like, yeah. they're the ones who made this. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're like Silicon Valley legends. But we met them for lunch and they invited us to their current um, startup called Umenta. And they did a town hall and they brought original Palm members. The guy who literally wrote the code for graffiti. Jeez. The original guy. Wow. Um, other folks, all from the original founding team, all the way through the 2000s. We did a town hall. We got to meet them, talked about Palm and the way Palm was and the way Palm is developing and um, giving each other feedback and talking about stories. It was the most beautiful thing. It felt, it felt as though we were being knighted. Like oh truly being knighted by like that's amazing by the, the past by yeah by like the ones who yeah. blazed the the, the trail yeah. for us, and so um, what we found out was Jeff had literally <laughs> carved a block of wood for the original Palm Pilot, and he and Donna carried around a block of wood for wow. months to figure out the right size of product <clears throat> that would be for the task that they wanted to achieve. And at their time was to organize your digital life, yep. you know, sync emails and write with graffiti. And for us, um, it was a much smaller product, but it was about getting out of that big screen and getting out of digital feeds yep. and living real life. And we carried around that same block of wood, just a completely different size and had no idea that they had done that 20 years before, back in 92, Jeez. when they started the company. Yep. Uh, and so it was just such a, a beautiful thing to know that story and talk about the war stories of how they develop product and the things that they had to deal with mm-hmm. and how to source a different display. Like they, dis- they sourced their display from a pager manufacturer. Yeah. That's how they made the wow. original Palm pilot display. Cause no big LCD company wanted to make uh, it wasn't even LCD, but tech, the technology at that time, mm-hmm. the tube technology companies didn't want to make a screen that size. We had to custom make our own 3.3 inch screen. Right. We custom made our display from scratch. We put in the NRE, created this from scratch. There's no other display this size on the market in the world. Uh, and so the stories just were so overlapping between the original Palm and, and what we've created too. So it's just, uh, it was a beautiful thing. So fast forward a little bit to, 
to get out of the, the original story. Like we, we created this product and this, we developed this brand. We worked with a company called Character, local SF design brand called Character, amazing brand firm. Um, amazing talented designers they helped us develop the palm logo mark as it sits today this beautiful like set of letter forms where it highlights the four letters um and it's just so minimal and beautiful uh and what we wanted to create was this modern minimalist movement Mm -hmm. around digital not to be stuck in your phone but what like define what is this modern minimalist yeah and the modern minimalist, uh, there are a bunch of different companies out there right now that are trying to create what a minimalist product is. Um, there are companies that have created these products that truly, like, you need to text T9 text on them. Like, they're basic phones, you know, and the super basic oh, gotcha. ones yep. um, that have no apps. And or if they have apps, they have e-ink screens. And so they're the true minimalist phone that yep. goes all the way to the very far polar yep. end. And we applaud what they're trying to do to get people out of phones. Um, what our approach is, is different. We're the, we're coining the modern minimalist yeah. where everyone can be their own type of minimalist. We're not going to force you to do T9 texting. We're not going to force you to get out of the apps you love. We provide you every single app. We provide you Spotify as you know it. The screen resolution is the same screen resolution almost as the iPhone 10. So it's literally like beautiful screen resolution. You have every single app um, from the Play Store. You have your own Spotify as it is. So like literally I've got my Spotify here. I've got all my playlists. I've got my Instagram. Double tap takes you home here so I can show you. You guys can't see it on this, but um, check out palm.com. You can check it out. You can see here's my here's our palm handle, at palm on Instagram. That was our, our post. And look, you can see you've got everything here. Oh my God. I can I can just take this and I can take a picture of you right now. You this is good. actually happening. This is good. Okay. Boom. We've got Hector right here. I'm on my palm. This is crazy. And I can like I can just at you. So what's your what's your handle? It's at Hectorius underscore. Hectorius? Hectorius. <laughs> um that's pretty amazing, by the way. Okay, I love that. Someone gave me that name. Um I, I yeah, um I kinda like I, I need to change my Instagram handle now. Clearly. So uh, okay, so now I've got at Hectorius and I've got at Palm. And we're doing we're doing our so wow. I, I can I can do it. So this is amazing. And I'm I'm just posting a story. Boom. So that's what you can do on Palm. You can do everything you can on your phone. But you know what? Guess what? If I was on my big phone, yeah. what would I do? I'd sit here and I'd check, like, oh, what's going oh, yeah. on here? And yeah. what did this person post? And I go to my stories and I'd sit yeah. there and with Palm, the screen's smaller. I don't feel like doing that. I feel like spending time with you right yeah. now, Hectorius. <laughs> and and talking about Palm and talking yeah. about design and and that's just talking amazing. about like creation. Yeah. So that's what this is all about. This device is truly about living in the moment, yeah. having everything you need, just your essentials. Yeah. Um, and not anything you don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's kind of where we're at. So we we launched the product. How how did the form come to to be with the you know you look at the market of phones and I think what you were talking about was um, as far as the the phones that remove you away from mm-hmm. from your smartphone there's mm-hmm. there's a phone company called Light the Light Phone oh yes that's exactly what I was talking yeah, about I think you were talking about that and those are <laughs> two students that came out of graduate students that come out of Chicago. Really? That worked on that. And now they're in their second generation they of, are. Of, of life. I didn't know they came from Chicago. Yeah. 
Um, you know, they, I applaud them for what they've done. Uh, the first one was so beautiful with the e-ink screen yeah. and, um, and, and uh, their current, um, you know, campaign is really strong. And they're, they're very focused purely on digital minimalism and they're beholden to that. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I applaud them for it. Yeah. Amazing, amazing work. Uh, where we differ is that we are focusing on more of a modern minimalist where I need my Uber. Yeah. I'm not leaving my house without my without a device that has Uber on it right. and or my Lyft. Yeah. I'm not leaving my house without a camera on it so I could post that story that I just did. Yeah. Because you know what? That was a really wonderful moment we just shared yeah. and I posted you and guess what? Now I'm going to follow you and you're going to follow me because we're connected on Instagram. <laughs> that's right. And that's yeah. how we communicate these days. Yeah. To me, I don't communicate. I don't text with anyone anymore. I Instagram DM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Um, do hangouts with a couple people. I Facebook message a lot of people, especially my family. That's modern day life. And so the modern minimalist is one where you have all those text messages, uh, all those messaging platforms. Um, But you're not going to be beholden to your device. Exactly. Right? And that's what we're ushering in as modern minimalist device. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All these, I mean, now all these apps are a necessity for communication, travel, you know, for capturing moments. Um, but it, like you said, it, it doesn't have to take over your life. No, no, no. And, and they're taking over most people's lives. Mm-hmm. I admit I am an Instagram addict. That's like, a, this is like a yeah. IGAA meeting right now. <laughs> I am yeah. an Instagram addict. Yeah. I am firmly, yeah. I put my hand up. Uh, I would sit there and I would just scroll endlessly. I would think so deeply about what am I going to post? What's my caption going to be? And then how many likes am I going to get from it? Um, you know, it's a disease. <laughs> and I truly feel like I was rewiring my brain because of it. And I'm trying right now to like, I'm going to keep posting. It's not like I'm not going to post. All of my best friends are on Instagram and I love seeing what they're doing. It's a beautiful platform. Um, but I, for me, it was a disease where I like just all I thought about was what I was going to post next or what story am I going to post or what am I going to like show people I ate at lunch? It's just, it was, it was, it was getting overboard. Yeah. So, you know, for me, Palm has been this amazing, um, kind of healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> substitute for me mm-hmm. it's kind of a nicotine patch for me where it's like I'm not going cold turkey I'm not going to personally go to a light phone where I can't get my Uber I can't see right. people on Instagram yeah. but I at least have it here I know I'm connected mm-hmm. I know I'm connected mm-hmm. but I'm not consumed right ooh that is perfect right there <laughs> connected but not consumed connected but not consumed that's fantastic yeah and that's our mantra you know that's we're a mission based company yeah we believe that everyone in the world can benefit from a little time, um, a little less time on the screen and a little bit more time in one-to-one conversations like we're having right now. That's great. Wow. How did you get Steph Curry involved? <laughs> that, that, that is, I've been itching to ask you that. Yeah. Steph Curry, San Francisco, Golden State Warriors, another, you know, California staple. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a homegrown thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Palm as well on top of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll add that in because Palm being a California company originally mm-hmm. uh, and now being reborn as a California company, uh, we we were very blessed to have Steph join us on this amazing ride. And uh, he's been involved now for almost two years. Uh, he's crew. He is mm-hmm. Palm crew. And if you ever look up a hashtag Palm crew, you'll see it's like this is this is our our thing um, that we're so, you know, 
overjoyed by. Um, and to have him as part of our group and his whole, his whole crew also as part of our journey has been enlightening. It's been, um, a blessing and it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's just be honest. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and I've learned a lot from him and his crew. So, you know, the, the way it started, it was again, kind of by accident. So, you know, Steph, uh, he's known to have become a fairly uh, prominent investor in the Bay Area. Um, a couple of years ago, he was just beginning in some of that. He was, he was dabbling in investment. And our head of product, David Woodland, he's a huge Steph Curry fan. Okay. Huge. There you go. Nice. He's Bay Area, born and raised, uh, you know, Danville guy. Uh, he, he just loves Steph Curry. He loves the Warriors. He's been a Warrior fan since the beginning. Yeah. The Baron Davis days, who's oh also part of our crew, love Baron. Um, like literally, like from the, the early days, David named his, his goldfish Steph Curry. <laughs> That's how much he loves Steph Curry. That's so cool. When Steph was like plucked yep. as, um, you know, an underrated player. Mm-hmm. This underdog yep. that had to fight to become the best and the goat that he is, um, the greatest of all time. If yeah. you don't know, of course, you know, but yeah. like you do. Yeah. But, um, and you know, I truly believe he yeah. is the greatest shooter of all time. The man is like he's he's, he's a current goat right now. That's all I know. That's all is, I'm gonna say. He is. And, and, one of the, and one of the greatest men I know. Yeah. Um, and, and and I'm truly blessed to know him. Uh, and my circle is fairly small when I say that about people. Uh, so. <laughs> David's like, hey, we're looking for investors. You know, uh, we should talk to Steph Curry. And Dennis and I look at him. And our company was four people at the time. Yeah. Four people sitting around a room in South Park. Uh, we have a, a loft in in um, in the in the clock tower in South Park in San Francisco. Very cool little spot, uh, brick and timber loft space. Very like amazing for for creativity and, and developing ideas. Big windows. So. In fostering those great ideas, no. I said, "Sure, David, you're right. You're 100 right. Actually, why don't you go contact him?" <laughs> He's like, "I'm going to contact him." We're like, "All right, you should just go do that." So David turns out to be one of the most diligent men I've ever met in my life. He goes online and finds a guy with like five LinkedIn connections and like no picture, and says, "I'm Steph Curry's agent." <laughs> you know, it doesn't say in those words, but sure. it's like Steph Curry's agent. Like, uh, he, he put all these pieces together. So he contacts this guy on LinkedIn. You know, who knows what we would get within a couple of days. This guy responds and says, yeah, I'm Steph's agent. Who are you? And what David was sent out, like we were super stealth. We had no, like zero. We were like, we didn't talk about Palm. Yeah. We were so stealth. We couldn't even, I didn't talk to friends about the, the venture. I just let, let them know that I had started a startup with a co-founder of mine, Dennis, that uh, many of them had met from my Samsung days. So like, that's it. So he went out and he sent this guy like, this is Howard's background. This is Dennis's background. And uh, we're doing something really cool. Want to know what's up? And his agent responded and said, yeah, I want to know what's up. So David had a call with him, still didn't even tell him Palm, finally revealed it to him. So we're doing something really cool and we want to shake up the mobile industry. We want to disrupt the mobile industry. We want to help people truly get out of their addiction to to tech and to their feeds and live a, a more valuable and fulfilling life. The guy's like, well, that sounds interesting. So he came down with turns out Steph's financial guy, um, it was Steph's agent, his financial guy, 
who happens to also be the family. He's financial guy. So it's a whole family affair. Yeah. Everything to do with the Currys is a whole family affair. And I just absolutely love that. Yeah. Like I've met now all of them and spent quality time with them. And they're unbelievably beautiful, amazing people. And these guys came and they came to visit our loft and they saw four guys in a room and we pitched them. And we said, this is what we're doing. And after two hours, they said, you guys are doing something truly unique. We believe and we think Steph is really going to like this. You need to meet Steph. So oh we look at each God. other after the other and we're like, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. And to be honest, like I admit, I didn't know a lot about basketball. Like, of course, I know Steph Curry and he's famous sure. and he's amazing. And I, I've seen him in, in the public eye at the time, but like, I didn't know that much. I'm like, well, that sounds amazing. Um, and David's freaking out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we said, David, make sure you don't take a selfie with him the next time. Like, when he comes in here, please don't, don't. Yeah. Don't don't embarrass us. Don't embarrass us. So David was was pretty good about it. I gotta admit, but he was, it was hard for him to hold back. Wow! But he did. So we scheduled a time to meet Steph Curry. We met him. It was two Labor Days ago. Now it's been a long time since we've been crew. It was at his uh, workout facility in the East Bay. It was Labor Day. I remember it because it was a foggy day that morning. There was no one on the road. We drive. We drive all the way over there from San Francisco. We met there as me, David, and Dennis. And we got half an hour with, with Steph because Steph had a, a game. He had to, the, literally like he had to fly to New York and play the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So the plane was there waiting. He was working out and he said, okay, you got half an hour. So we set up in the room. We walk in and shit, there's Steph Curry. He's, he's literally like training there with a couple warriors. He's like, there, there's like a, a huge mural on the wall, like 10 times the size of a normal man of Steph Curry on the wall. Jeez. And we're like, wow, this is real. So we met him. He's humble. He's still sweating from his workout. And he's like super, super chill. Like, so like gracious. We're like, this is what we're doing. This is the what we're trying to achieve. And we're bringing back Paul. And he looked up. He's like, no. And he leaned back in his chair. And I'll never forget. He leaned back in his chair. He's like, you're kidding me. And he starts laughing to himself. <laughs> Like what? What is it? He goes. When I was a kid, and I was in Toronto, my father played for the Raptors. Del Curry, yeah, part of our crew, amazing man. It's like when I was sitting literally on the sidelines as a kid, me and Seth were there. I would play with my dad's Palm Pilot on the sidelines. I loved Palm Pilot. I played Snake. I played all these or like all the all the all the games I were on there. All like he just he's like I loved it, um, and. And I'm like, damn, like, I'm impressed. Like, I didn't even play the games. Like, I remember I used wow. my Palm 5 all for business. I didn't even personally play the games. He knew all the games. And he he has this affinity for the brand and for what it meant to him as a young child. And he then also heard our pitch, saw a prototype of the product. It wasn't even a real product yet. It was a prototype. We had the, the, the launcher working. We had a physical ver- version of it. He looked at it. And he's like... I believe in your mission. I spend, I'm a family man. I spend too much time on my phone. I'm, a, I'm in the public eye. So I'm like always on Instagram. So I got to end or other channels. So I got to like, like put this down, but I also still want to have my camera and be connected with Aisha and the kids. It's like, I believe I want to come visit your studio. I want to get back from the Knicks. So we ended up spending 45 minutes, almost an hour. He made the plane late. It was like, you had to take off. We were like, I can't believe that just happened. Then we just hung out with Steph and he's like, I'm in, uh, I want to learn more. So subsequently he came to the studio. Wow. A month later, he brought, he brought with him, uh, Jerron, 
who Jerron is like amazing, brilliant man. Nike years at Nike years at the White House. He's now Steph CEO of Unanimous. He's his content guy and partner with Sony. Uh, he brought Damian Lee, who's now um, his. Uh, I don't even know who Damian Lee was at the time either, but he was his sister's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But now, like Damian Lee's a warrior, yeah. and like he was playing at Santa Cruz at the time, and he, uh, you know, he's now like actually part of the family. And uh, we we met with them, and we ended up hanging out for like four and a half hours in the studio. He stayed till eight p.m. just hanging out, talking with us, brainstorming. <laughs> we uh, we originally another funny story. We originally wanted to call the the product the Palm Copilot. You know, like Palm Pilot? Yeah. Yep. wanted to call it Copilot because it's a secondary device to your big phone. Right. That's what the product originally and still currently is in its form is secondary device. We wanted to call it the Palm Copilot. And we we're like, Steph, what do you think? It's a Palm Copilot. What do you think? He looks at us. He's like, guys, why don't you just call it the Palm? If it's in your Palm, you don't need to call it the Palm Copilot. Yeah. Just drop Copilot. Just call it Palm. We looked at each other and we're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, okay, done. Yeah. And he looked at us. He's like, "Whoa, was, did I just have my Facebook moment right there?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like drop the dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're like, "Yeah, you did. Jeez. Yeah, you did." Boom. So um, we dropped Copilot that day, and he wasn't even part of the company yet. And wow. we became Palm, and we shipped the product, which is now called the Palm. Yeah. And uh, so you know, fast forward a bit. We met multiple times. We've just become great friends. Um, he brought his CEO for his investments from SC30. Mm. SC30 is his investment arm called Bryant Barr. I don't know if you've heard of Bryant. Mm. He's uh, he's an influencer. And if Bryant hears this, he'll laugh um, because, you know, he's uh, Steph's best friend from Davidson. They play ball together. Oh. Bryant is brilliant, brilliant wow. investor, um, Stanford MBA grad, uh, one of our best friends. And an advisor to Palm. He's an official advisor to Palm. And we spend a lot of time with Brian and with Steph and with Jerron to just effectively like plot the path for the company and figure out how we get out there with our messaging and how we talk about Palm and how they can be involved. And they've brought us in to summits with all of their other brand partners like Infinity and Chase and Under Armour, who's his number one mm-hmm. you know, brand partner amongst other startups. And uh, it's just an amazing family and uh it's just it's a testament to like you bring on like-minded people that's Mm -hmm. crew and you can just do amazing things together so that is wow (laughs) yes i you know what Uh, going back to you to you said david Mm -hmm. really he really did his homework like he did he's a super fan like david david i'll give you another story david literally is the reason why we're in verizon too Wow. So um, he was the colonel for that. So David was the reason why we were able to like have a conversation with Steph. Steph said, hey, you know, uh, this is going to be on Verizon, right? And we're like, yes, sure, sure, Steph, it'll be on Verizon. Like, David, hit up Verizon. (laughs) So literally the next day, David, he uh, (laughs) he emails the CEO of Verizon. Oh, my God. No joke. No joke. He emails the CEO of Verizon. Like, there's no way he's gonna get to see over Verizon. Next day, next freaking day, see over Verizon writes him back. 
this sounds awesome. Again, stealth, right? Yeah. You know, there's no palm, there's no nothing. Just like these two guys and me, we're doing something cool. You want to hear? CEO of Verizon responds. I, that's a testament to Verizon, which is our number one carrier partner and amazing partner to us. He writes back, introduces us to Brian Higgins. He's our executive sponsor and brother from another mother, yeah. um, has helped us. Uh, with this launch back in November and has, you know, built this amazing team at Verizon around us and, and to support us. Uh, is the CEO introduced us to Brian. Brian, we flew out to Verizon the next week and within like within a month, we were partners with, we were exclusive premier partners with Verizon and with Steph Curry. And it all came together. Wow. And as a small startup with at that time, four people mm-hmm. growing to six at launch, growing to eight at like by the end of the year. And now a total of only 13 people in the company mm-hmm. um, and raising a series A right now, we're truly raising a series A right now to grow the company and to build our gen two. Um, we did all of this as a st- tiny little startup that started in our pajamas <laughs> yep. in the front seat of Dennis's car. Um, to a global product where we are shipping across America um, and have test markets in all these different countries, including Europe, including Asia, including um, uh, even now China that's about to launch. China's about to launch uh, this week and um, in pre-order and fully launching in in November 1st. So for sale in China. So all that happened in the course of two and a half and now three three years by the end of this year. <laughs> That's amazing. A, it's been a roller coaster yeah. and it sounds lovely and it sounds um, <laughs> too good to be true and it sounds um, you know grand. And let me just be very, very clear that um, it's not without its roller coaster of emotion and trials and tribulation. And anyone who's ever wanted to start a company, I urge you to do it. I also, um, I give you that forewarning that it is not easy and it's, it is the most, it's, it's like you are out there thinking you are the best things to slice bread. Yeah. And then you got to go and mow that lawn, Yeah, that lawn that's been overgrown for a yeah. year. And someone's like, here, mow this shit. And yeah. you, and you just suck it up and you mow it, yeah. you mow that lawn. <laughs> Literally, that's that happens on a day to day basis as a founder, where you you can be hanging out with you know some of the most amazing people. Like Terrell Owens came to visit us in the studio. Baron Davis came to visit us in the studio. Steph comes into the studio. We have their crew of the most amazing people. Under Armour, it sounds amazing, right? Verizon, um, doing like launch parties, and guess what? Uh, <laughs> I still do the dishes. Yeah. I still order the Instacart. Um, our team, we struggle with everything every day about how to like refine and target our target audience and do what's right for our customer and build our brand and really stay true to our mission and our vision. And, uh, and then we struggle with that every single day. Mm-hmm. Funding, uh, sales, and our customer mm-hmm. is just an ongoing battle. So anyone who's ever wanted to start a, a company, I urge you to do it. Um, and know that it is, it's a ride yeah. for good or for bad. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. <laughs> it, the, I'm still thinking of you graduating from college. <laughs> you know, like how the, the, the journey, um, that, yeah. that's really inspiring. 
It, it truly is. And a lot of our listeners are, are, are high school, college and recent graduates. And I think, you know, on, on context, we have interviewed, we try to interview everyone and anyone from all different stages of their career path. Mm -hmm. And you have been, um, probably the highest one we've interviewed as far <laughs> as like the CEO. Right. Um, and I think that really, you know, um, everything that you've talked about, uh, there's a lot of overlap with a recent graduate who's, who's going through it, who's getting hit by the wall, yeah. who feels anxiety, who feels doubt. Yeah. Um, I feel it every day. Yeah. Uh, and know that um, you can be 20 years into your career. You look at all of the most famous designers that you look up to and they're out there and they're doing amazing things. They've got all these followers on Instagram and they're yeah. creating beautiful things. Guess what? They suffer as much as you do. Yeah. Um, and they doubt themselves as much as you do. And they run into walls as much as you do. Mm -hmm. And it's just a different size of wall and a different type of wall. And it's, and it's just a, it's just a different obstacle. Um, and depending on where you are in life, what experiences you've had to prepare you for that wall, it feels the same. Yeah. The wall you feel when you're in college, from the wall you feel when you're in your first job, to the wall you feel 20 years later, still trying to create something beautiful for someone to enjoy and make a business out of it, is the same feeling of pain and same feeling of stress and um, the same feeling of pure joy and passion and excitement when you actually get there, yeah. when you actually prevail, and when you see someone using what you've created and not only enjoy using it, but talk about it with their friends and and talk and reach out to even you as a as a, a founder of a company to to let you know that they appreciate what you've done and the stuff that you've gone through in order to get there. And, uh, and that's, that's the true value in being a designer. That's the true value in also being a founder. And I think the true value in just being a human in this world, trying to give back yeah. as much as you can while trying to survive. Um, and so if I was to give any advice, it's just to persevere and stay humble and stay passionate yeah. and stay strong and never give up because if you do, you're only doing yourself a disservice. But you know, you also have scars from all your battles. I do. You see my scars. I have, uh, uh, you know, I've just met Hector today and I've got cupping on my forearms because I've, my forearms are completely scarred from years of exercise and working out and carpal tunnel. And I'm now going through physical therapy yeah. truly on to like remove scars from my muscle tissue. Um, and I have those emotional scars from, you know, all of the years of being told no yeah. and products dying on the vine and having to compromise products. And my current product that I have, it has compromises that we have learned from yeah. and that we will fix even for Gen 2. And so that's something that you just have to find the beauty in, 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 in what you can do better next time around yeah. and what, how you can improve yourself as a person in this world and, and as the products that you create to help someone else, you know, find joy. Yeah. I mean, I know we just met today, but I need to describe this to our listeners. This is the most romantic <laughs> interview I've ever done. We're <laughs> sitting in your apartment in mm -hmm. Pacific Heights. Mm -hmm. When we started, the sun was just setting. It, 
you live on the fifth floor of your apartment. Yeah. So you can oversee Pacific Heights. You see the Golden Gate to the left. You see the bay right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And now the sun is setting and everything's <laughs> still, everything was turning gold. And it it's all gold. This, this is just a really... You can see the al- you can see the Alcatraz, see Alcatraz. Um, the it's light a, the it's beacon a really yeah it's a really beautiful like I can see why you wanted to have the interview right here yeah you know yeah. it's it's the best place is it you know when you're in your home and or in your design studio it's a place of nurturing and it's a place yeah. of of growth and co creation and you know looking at the sunset the hue of the sky right now we're blessed to have a beautiful sky tonight and the colors of it um, are inspiring right they're completely inspiring and to be able to see the water for me is an inspirational thing and when you look at alcatraz this like beacon of uh, despair but also beacon of hope you can truly see how the lighthouse is calling at you and i look at that every night and i look at the way that the lighthouse revolves around and flashes at me every single night and reminds me to watch out yeah. reminds me to um, be drawn to something that I believe in. And it reminds me to never give up yeah. because the light will always turn back on. And when the light seems like it's turning off yeah. and you think that everything is going to go dark, guess what? There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always a light that will turn on that could actually be far brighter than the light you realized Um and thought that was going to turn off. So just know that uh, there's always something better, no matter what obstacle you you come across in your career. It was an honor and a true pleasure to sit here and talk to you. And I'm just so inspired by your dream. Uh, and I hope others are. And, um, you know, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's my absolute pleasure. You're a great guy. Um, I hope we get to work again absolutely uh, in the future and do something. And uh, to everyone listening, I appreciate your time too to listen to me talk about <laughs> me talk about all of this. Um, and uh, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure and a blessing. Thank you. Sounds great. Thank you very much for joining us. Until the next episode.